Part two of our discussion with the executive director of IRR Ministries, Joel Grote, next on Polygamy. What love is this? Welcome back to our interview with the director of Inter Institute for Religious Research, um, director, executive director, Joel yeah. Grote. And uh, we've been interviewing him about the articles that is on his website. Uh, he ministers to the Mormonism as well as other isms. Right. And, uh, and we're just having discussions on some of the articles that's on his website about Mormonism, polygamy, Joseph Smith, and, and various other um, topics that you have addressed right. there. And uh, we run out of time the first time, so we're going <laughs> we'll to go for get started right. again. But thanks, Joel, for Please. coming and sharing with us. So welcome, Doris. It's a pleasure uh, to be with it's you. It's a very interesting um, website and I urge, I, I mean it's just so full of information um, and it's all documented, it's historical, it's got references and footnotes, uh, yes. and, you know, it's not made up stuff. Right, and if we've had any commitment, because so much of our ministry is geared toward people that are in these performance-based religions, it's been a commitment to be under-exaggerated and over-documented. Mm -hmm. yes. And so yes. we want it to be a safe place where people can come and find the information and feel like it's trustworthy and true, what they do with it is up to them, right. but we at least want to provide the information that is a reliable source for them to start or continue their quest for truth. And it certainly is that, that is for sure. We were talking about different articles that are on your website, mm -hmm. and um, we got done with Article 1, <laughs> the first article. <laughs> well, there's many there, and we're just going to discuss right. a few of them. But the second article that I thought maybe we could just briefly discuss is, is um, the do Mormon doctrine of exaltation. And for those who don't understand Mormonism, and we have viewers that don't fully understand it, what is this doctrine of exaltation and how does it compare with what God has revealed in the Bible? Sure. And just so people are aware, we have on something like exaltation multiple, multiple articles that go into different facets of it. Um, exaltation is probably best summed up once again in the words of a former Mormon um, apostle who became a prophet, um, uh, Lorenzo Snow, who said, as man is, God once was. As God is, man may become. So the idea is that God started out as a man. He had to progress, work his way, evolve, whatever term you want to use. But he had to change till he became a deified, exalted, glorified man and mm -hmm. then took on the position and the power of God. Mm -hmm. And that process of becoming a God is called exaltation. And what the Mormon Church holds out to its members, to the most faithful worthy, is that they too can enjoy exaltation. So they can follow in the footsteps of, um, of God the Father. And even though they're human now and fallen and fallible, if they will adhere to the commandments, to the laws and ordinances of the Mormon Church, um, including the temple ordinances, mm -hmm. and are faithful, they can be in due time also exalted to the place of Godhood where um, I'm trying to remember who it was, I think it was also uh, part of Lorenzo Snow's teaching, that they can actually get to the place where they will become a god, they will create their own world, mm -hmm. they will populate it, and they will pretty much start the whole plan mm -hmm. of salvation over That's again. That's exactly what we learned. World. That's exactly what we learned growing up. So, now, while that can sound very attractive, and it is to a lot of people, the idea you become a god, you've got all this power, um, 
there's nothing in the Bible that even comes close yeah. to that cosmology or to that view of man and God. Because in the Bible, God is an infinite being who's totally unique. There's only one God. And what he does can only be done by him. And as this infinite being person, um, he now creates finite creatures, us, to be in relationship with him, to enjoy him. Mm -hmm. But we can never become infinite ourselves or right. become gods. And so right. scripture is very clear on that. Yeah. And the unfortunate thing within Mormonism is it offers to people a goal they can never reach and really something that appeals to their flesh, something that appeals to their pride. Right. That goes exactly. right back to mm -hmm. Lucifer's fall, because at the core of Lucifer's yeah. fall is his desire to be to God, be like to take God. his position. That's right. And at the core of the lies of the garden is the same thing. Satan offers mm -hmm. to Adam and Eve the ability, the knowledge, so they can also they become can like, be God. like God. Exactly right. Now, the LDS require marriages for eternity and, and ceilings in the temple. The polygamists require polygamy for the exaltation. And the Bible, again, there's no requirement for either one of those uh, rituals in the Bible. No. Or, or, in, or in instructions. Fact, or right. Or in fact, um, <clears throat> on, the, on the traditional or the Salt Lake Mormonism side of it, however we want to describe that particular branch of, of Mormonism, because there are, there are different branches and split-offs mm -hmm. and groups, the biblical temple, you take the Mormon temple, the ceremonies that go in there, and, and all, those, all those ceremonies are now available on YouTube. There's transcripts. Right, um, right. Even though the Mormon church has sought to say they're sacred and so they're not revealed, they're not secret, they've tried to keep them a secret. It's now, it's all available. And so we can know what happens there. Mm -hmm. We also can know what happened in the biblical temple because right. all the ceremonies are described. Everything the priests did, how they did it, when they did it. There was nothing secretive about... Never was secretive, Right, ever. about the biblical temple. Now right. it was exclusive, only the priests were allowed to do it. But every Israelite knew exactly what was happening inside the temple. Right. And there is no... There's no connection between the ceremonies. For example, in the Mormon temple, they do baptisms for deceased relatives and ancestors. There, a baptism never took place in the biblical in the temple. temple. And again, we'd encourage people, we have a whole section on exaltation and on Mormon temples on our website where we... And so whatever aspect you want to look at, yeah. you can probably find something there. Yeah. You had, you had a pamphlet. I did a pamphlet years and years ago. Yep. Beautiful pamphlet of the... Of the Christian of the or Solomon's temple. Right, and, cross section of it. Right. It was and called it, Our Mormon Temples Christian. It was wonderful. I loved that. Well that's still there and, and those yeah. articles are still available on the I've website. I've still got the book though, the book the paper They're, book yes. of that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, the third article and on this one I don't want to beat a dead horse with this next question, but it's worthy of of okay. uh, of comment. I've got, like I said, I was born and raised in a, in a polygamy group, and I thought I was a Christian. Even after I left the book, uh, the the group, I still thought I was a Christian, but I didn't have any idea what a Christian was, and I wasn't mm -hmm. a Christian. The question isn't, are is are Mormons or polygamists Christian? Right. The question is, Mormonism Christian? Right. And to me, it's very important to make that distinction because. You, we can't know what's in a person's heart. Right. And there are so many times where I've talked to a person who is currently a Mormon or was, and when you look at their story, there was a time in their history before they became a Mormon where they came to a personal faith in Christ. They put their faith solely in Christ based on grace, trusted Him. At that point, they became a believer. 
when they entered the Mormon church, for whatever reason, mm -hmm. that did not get nullified. I mean, our, our salvation rests on the work he of Christ on our behalf, us. and yeah. we can mess up pretty royally, and I think even get involved in a false religious group, and that doesn't get lost. Now, yeah. the relationship gets messed up, and you end up getting some, some really messed up stuff yeah. thinking in your head. Mm -hmm. So to say, to be able to say, is a Mormon Christian or not, I can't make that we judgment. I that. have no idea. Only God knows the heart. But when we're talking religious systems, there you've got set beliefs because Christianity has core beliefs that define it as a religion, right. just like Buddhism does, Judaism yes. does, Hinduism yes. does, and Mormonism also does. There are certain core beliefs. And when you lay those core beliefs side by side, what's officially taught in the manuals, you know, what's been correlated, you begin to see very quickly that the core beliefs at the most fundamental level are irreconcilably different. Mm -hmm. So and so that's why when I look at Mormonism as a system, and believe me, in 30 years, I've looked at it yes. every way yeah. to sundown. There's just no way. The concept of God, the fact that God was a man and had to work his way up to Godhood. Um, I think we're going to talk a little bit later, the fact that he has a wife mm -hmm. um, who's with him, that there's a heavenly mother. Um, the fact that... Uh, that progression, that, he, that God is not unique, He's only further down the road, that at some point, wherever He is now, we can get there. Now, He'll be ahead of us, so there, I don't want people to think that, oh, we're going to somehow be equal with God the Father. No, He's always right, going to be pushed right, up ahead. That. But those mm -hmm. core beliefs about God, about authority and where it comes from, about the person of Jesus Christ and who He is, about who man is, and about how we enter into a right relationship with God, the core beliefs of Mormonism are just as different as the core beliefs of Christianity as, for example, the core beliefs of Buddhism are different from Christianity. Right, exactly. exactly. And, so, and so that's why we say Mormonism, it's a religious system. You have every right to believe it, but you can't call it Christian. You can't call it a Christian right. belief. Right, exactly. And thanks for for uh, spelling that out for us. I, that is a contention that I think has gone on between Christians and Mormons. For oh, it many, has, many, many and decades. it's one I actually avoid. Yeah. I don't want to yeah. have that conversation with the Mormon. Um, I'd far rather talk about, yeah. hey, how do we get into right intimate relationship with God with, the Father? With God, exactly. The fourth article is um, just like the LDS. Some polygamy groups have temple buildings and they require the polygamy groups also will require um, the Mormon rituals and ceilings and the ordinances yes. explain why this can be called and is actually dead works and again you've already kind of hit on this so it, it won't probably won't take a lot of of talking but it does it's dead works and it has no relevance to the Old Testament temple ceilings and, and right. the polygamy ceilings and multiple wife and right. all of those rituals. Because the source of those, when we go back to Joseph Smith and what was happening in Nauvoo, where these begin to get introduced, um, is actually Freemasonry. Mm -hmm. Joseph Smith and his brother Hiram both um, join the Masonic Order, that, the, that was there locally. Um, both of them rise to very high degrees. I believe Joseph made it to the 32nd degree, which is a very, yeah. fairly high degree in quite masonry quickly, and quite quickly. Mm -hmm. And in that was exposed to the Masonic rites and rituals, um, including hands. And so when we, and again, this has been gone over by more, even Mormon historians who've seen yeah. the connection. Yeah. When you look at the temple rituals, especially the early ones, because they keep changing. In fact, they just did a change yes, they did. a month or so ago mm -hmm. and removed some, they keep <laughs> taking away pieces. Um, 
But when you go back to the earliest versions, and there's still, you see remnants of it still today, the core of what's happening in the Mormon temple ceremony comes directly from the Freemasonic order and practices that Joseph learned from them. And, and we know from history that when Joseph released his, his first temple ceremonies and they started practicing it, when the Masons found out, they cut off his association with Masonry. In fact, they made it so no Mormon male could become a Mason because they were so offended by Joseph yeah. pretty much robbing yeah. wholesale uh, their beliefs. That's, that's, and so that's the so connection. There so is no biblical there's connection. There's no biblical connection no. whatsoever, even though they claim that oh, it is a restoration. It still isn't. Joseph Smith, quote, Joseph Smith was just a man who made mistakes just like us. He wasn't perfect. That's <laughs> the memorized answer that, yes. that uh, to complaints against some of his behaviors and teachings and, and uh, that he would be a, a true prophet. Right. Is this a valid excuse? Why? Why not? And how do you respond to that when you hear it? It would be a valid excuse if Joseph Smith had not made certain claims about himself. But the truth is, Joseph made claims to be a prophet of God. Uh-huh. He made claims to have special authority, to have a special connection with God, and that what he was revealing was coming through him directly from God to people. When you make that claim, you put yourself into a totally different category yes, of a teacher or a prophet. And again, as we've already talked about, the Bible has several tests for people who are going to come along and do that. And so... Um, Jo we, Joseph Smith does not simply get to be put into the fallen man category. He made claims that took himself out of that category. Now, the other reason why that is not a valid reason for excusing Joseph Smith is because, yes, we have leaders in the Bible who we know are not fallen. David um, committed adultery, basically was guilty of murder in setting Uriah up mm -hmm. to be killed. Um, you have even the Apostle Paul who talks about his own failures and not doing what he wants. The key difference between these men and Joseph Smith is David repented. David, even though he committed these things, he got to a point where he went, that's wrong, I deserve God's judgment, and he accepted God's judgment, and he repented, yeah. acknowledged mm -hmm. that, turned away from it. Mm -hmm. To my knowledge, Joseph Smith never once repented of anything. He never acknowledged any wrongdoing, whether it was bank fraud, whether it was lying about his multiple wives, whether it was taking other men's wives. Mm -hmm. And so, again, Joseph Smith is in a very different category from any of the biblical heroes who were fallen with their foibles. What about the, when he says a prophet's only a prophet when they're acting like a prophet? Have you heard that one? Oh, I have heard that multiple times. <laughs> and again, at some level, there may be some truth because we know that men who were prophets in the Bible weren't always acting in that capacity. However, we can, even if we just limit to the times Joseph was claiming to speak as a prophet and we look at that, because his polygamy was totally justified under his prophetic status. In fact, he right. used that right. prophetic status to coerce and manipulate. And I think we're going to talk a little bit further ahead about Joseph Smith and Warren Jeffs and the parallels between mm -hmm. those two men. Mm -hmm. So that doesn't wash with Joseph Smith because most of the stuff he did, he justified right. being able to he do did. it because he was he, a prophet. He justified it, exactly. Um, 
Recently, we taped we taped a segment here about Heavenly Mother, and there was a. Okay. Um, wow. <laughs> I have to go find that one. And, as it hasn't come out yet, which okay. is, I think we just did it a couple of weeks ago. But anyway, there there seems to be a heavy emphasis on Heavenly Mother for some reason, coming from Mormons or whether it's for the church or not. But we there's quoted, been an increased emphasis, yeah, seems in to recent be. years. Mm -hmm. uh, and and we quoted from an article that was posted and then taken down, and, and it was discussing how to get a closer relationship with Heavenly Mother. Now, I right. want to quote your response. Okay. I love this response <laughs> that right. you put on the web, on, on your uh, Facebook. But you said, and I quote, can't say I'm surprised at the short shelf life. It was way too open and pro-relationship with Heavenly Mother. They don't even encourage that kind of close relationship with Jesus. And that is so true because they don't. Yeah. And I really liked that response. I hope some Mormons and polygamists would, would develop or try and want a closer mm -hmm. relationship with Jesus. It would be so much um, easier to talk about him. But anyway, explain why Heavenly Mother cannot be true and why it's a spiritually dangerous belief. Okay. Um, one, it can't be true because um, it's totally absent from the Bible, and I'm not always super big on making arguments from silence, right. but when we have God described in all His attributes and all who He is, there simply is no female consort. So there right. is no female counterpart. In fact, um, the Holy Spirit is gender neutral. I mean, the Bible does use male gendered pronouns for Jesus and for the Father. I think that has more to do with the image of the relationship they have with us mm -hmm. um, and, how, and and again Jesus' own teaching that's how we spoke of God as our right, father right so there's a total absence but there's also a total absence of this doctrine in Mormon scripture mm -hmm. this is something that developed out of hymnology folk ideas it was kind of a it was kind of the natural consequence of this idea that God was a man like us that to progress he had to do like Mormons today which is you had to be married in a temple himself so he had to have a wife mm -hmm. the two of them had to progress he has these spirit children born to them so if you're gonna have a spirit baby you've got to have a spirit mama right right and so it became it, it became a natural corollary that I don't think was ever thought out and really as it developed there was really no concern with making it correspond to scripture and it would like you said is is there's not a revelation on it and there's right. there's not doctrine right uh, pushing it in the Mormon his right. history and here books. And here's the danger. The danger is anytime you allow someone to come alongside, share the category of God, and here I would say uh, the Roman Catholic Church has done this to some degree with Mary, where mm -hmm. Mary is a co-redemptress. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, you take away from God's uniqueness and His glory and the fact that He is a God who is jealous for relationship only with Himself. Right. God wants our heart. And he wants that intimate relationship with us, and he's not going to share that with anyone else. And so, Heavenly Mother now becomes a distraction, becomes someone that maybe Mormon women can turn to. Yeah. And I understand the attraction of a Heavenly Mother, because I'm sorry, the Mormon God the Father is not somebody I want to get warm and fuzzy with. Oh, no. He's oh, arbitrary, no. he makes rules, he can be domineering. Um, oh, I he's did unpredictable. Not like, I did not like God when I was in that. And so time. my encouragement, my encouragement to Mormons, polygamists or otherwise is look for the God the Father that you find in the Bible. Start with Jesus and his descriptions of the Father. Read the letters of St. Paul. 
Um, especially in Ephesians and Philippians and Colossians, those three mm. really develop. And find that God the Father, and you're going to see it's a very different God the Father from the Mormon church. Yes. And he is not the patriarchal, domineering, manipulative, ever-changing, unpredictable, whimsical God the Father that you find in Mormonism. Mm -hmm. It's just not the same. And angry. Same he was thing. always angry. And if you weren't perfect, yeah. then and he'd keep you. And the Apostle Paul said, for those who are in Christ Jesus, there's no condemnation. Yeah, I know. And once yeah. we're in Jesus, all the wrath of the Father for our sin has gone on it's Jesus. Gone there's on no Jesus. wrath left there's for us. There's nothing left but his love. Yes. Absolutely, his so, love. Yeah. Biblical prophets um, versus Joseph Smith on your website, you talk about that he didn't even pass his own test for being a prophet. <laughs> yeah. Explain that and what's... Uh, well, <laughs> we and Rob Bowman, um, our previous executive director, he's now gone independent doing his own independent writing and research uh -huh. as the first of the year. Um, but he developed um, an article, and a whole series of articles, on what the Mormons put out as a test for a prophet. And so he found all these very good biblical tests and just taking those tests, you find Joseph Smith failing those tests in terms of his attitude, his practice, his behavior, his teaching. And so it was, it was almost, it was a little bit humorous to say, wow, they've got this prophet Joseph. And yet when you lay Joseph Smith's life and teaching and doctrine alongside their own test for prophet, Joseph doesn't even make those, those tests. He doesn't pass his own test. I right. thought that was very interesting. And, it's, and it is so true. And we've already talked about, you know, the test, the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, and, and of course, Deuteronomy, if, if they make a um, prophecy. Oh, yeah, false it doesn't, prophecy. It doesn't come to pass. Then and we've got a couple different articles that document very carefully Joseph Smith's prophecies that are, right. are provably false now, mm -hmm. that can't be reconciled. And time is the enemy of a false prophet. Always, the biggest yes. enemy of the false prophet. Yep. Um, one of the things that that you mentioned that um, uh, why Mormonism is not true and Christianity is is Genesis versus the Book of Abraham. Mm -hmm. Now we talked about the Book of Abraham briefly right. already, but if you compare Genesis with the Book of Abraham, I'm, I'm assuming you're taking the creation account and, and right. all of that. Exactly. Explain a little bit about that. Well, and for people who may not know, Genesis has the creation account. The first two or three chapters lay that out. Um, the Book of Abraham also has a creation account. But in the Book of Abraham creation account, and again, remember, Joseph Smith developed this scripture from these papyri toward the end of his life. Right. So he's looking for ways to justify new teachings. At this point, he's begun to teach that God was a man. He's begun to teach mm -hmm. that he was exalted, that he changed, that we can become like him, that we need to learn how to become gods ourselves. And so now he has an opportunity to kind of write into scripture these teachings. And so he produces a creation account that sounds a lot like Genesis, but you have a whole council of gods. And he says, the gods said, let there be light. The gods created day and night. And you have this council of gods working yeah, together uh -huh. because that was Joseph's current understanding and belief about gods and what they were like. And so when you compare the Genesis account with the book of Abraham, you realize once again, you have Mormon scripture and, and biblical scripture in direct contradiction in terms of what they're teaching. Um. I think it's very good, and I think that that anyone in Mormonism should compare the two accounts and see which one do which one do they which one do they adhere to really? Right. Uh, mm -hmm. Because when I talk, anytime I talk with someone from polygamy or Mormonism, they seem to 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 want to hang on to the Genesis account, with one exception, and that one exception is it matters eternal. 
other than that, they don't do the council of yes. gods and all that. They they hang on to the Genesis right. account. Right. And the and the other component of the Genesis account that's different from the book of Abraham is we have historical validity documentation, geographical, archaeological yeah. that supports the whole book of Genesis, the Mesopotamian society and all the stuff that was going mm -hmm. on, whereas what Joseph brings out, sets forward in terms of the Egyptology and what was happening there, there's no correspondence to reality. Right. Um, so that's just another and point no of difference. no artifacts again to right. on that. Okay, uh, we're, we're kind of need to wind down quickly here. Time goes okay. by so fast. <laughs> you have an article on there about Warren Jeffs and Joseph Smith's polygamy parallels. Right. And it's so important that uh, Jesus said that by the, by by the, the fruits, fruits of the prophets, false prophets, you will know them to be false right. prophets. So I think it's important for polygamists and mm -hmm. Mormons to compare Warren Jeffs right. and, and Joseph Smith. Right. Name a couple. Sure. A and this is a study I did when Warren Jeffs was greatly in the news and they were starting to lay out all the things that he did, the relationships, the coercion, the manipulation. As I read through, I went, wow, from what mm -hmm. I know about Joseph Smith's history. So here's just, here's just a bullet point list. And again, the article's on the website. If you type in Joseph Smith and Warren Jeffs and then even IRR, it'll be one of the first things that'll come up. Mm -hmm. So, um, both men used their prophetic status to justify multiple wives. In other words, both said, I can do this against convention of society and even the Bible. I can take multiple wives because I'm a prophet. Mm. And in fact, Muhammad did the same thing yeah, with Islam. He did. Um, both of them attributed their multiple wives to God's command. And in fact, both of them said, God's commanding me to do this. So it's not just that I want to do it. I have to obey God to do it. Um, both of them used Old Testament polygamy as the justification, even though in the Old Testament, polygamy is never presented as a good thing. Polygamy is always something God allows that usually has very negative relational consequences and fallout going for generations right, ahead. Right, right. Um, negative. Both of them ignored and disregarded the later New Testament teaching on marriage. Because if we believe in progressive revelation that God continues to help us understand His character and His nature, then the New Testament teaching on marriage and relationships has to trump it, has to supersede Absolutely. what we have in the Old Testament. True. And there it's very clear. It's strictly monogamy. Let every husband have his own wife, every mm -hmm. wife have her own husband. Mm -hmm. um, both of them took young girls as wives, Jeff as young as 12 and 14, um, Smith as young as 14. Both cloaked their behavior in secrecy and denial. Mm -hmm. Both used secrecy. And both used pressure and coercion to get the women to, to comply. Wives, right? And I was really, I really appreciated Richard Bushman. Richard Bushman is a predominant Mormon historian. He's probably considered the predominant historian on the life of Joseph Smith. And he commented on Joseph's coercive tactics. Mm. Um, and we have a quote in the article. And this quote was actually from the PBS television series. So I would just encourage people, um, I'm not going to take time to read the quote, but he comes right out and says, Joseph couched his pressure for them to become his wives by saying there would be blessings that would only come to them and their whole family if they would comply. And we get we got that in polygamy too. Well, Joel, yes. we're out of time again. Thank you <laughs> well, so thank much. thank you. It's we been so much fun. <laughs> we didn't cover everything, but we covered a lot, and that's good. And they can get it on the website anyway. Exactly, for, yes. For that. So thank you very much. Thanks for the work that you do uh, to help these people come to the knowledge of the truth, as which our prayer is. Absolutely.
I'd like to make some closing comments. I have some scriptures for that. First John 4, 1 says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they're from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Second Peter 2, 1 through 3 says, But there were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false prophets among you, false teachers among you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. Many will follow their shameful ways and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with stories they have made up. Their condemnation has long been hanging over them and their destruction has not been sleeping. After thorough investigation and research about Mormonism, Joseph Smith, polygamy, the Doctrine and Covenants, the Book of Mormon, the Pearl of Great Price, the evidence is overwhelming that the Mormon religion is a fulfillment of these warnings that God has given us. We are anxious for everyone to know and accept the truth and so be saved because only those who embrace and love the truth will be saved. Thank you, Joel, for bringing the truth. Thank you for watching. God bless. This has been the audio podcast of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. Polygamy, What Love Is This? is produced by A Shield and Refuge Ministry. More information on this program, including the video version of it, can be found at whatloveisthis.tv. If you have any questions or need help getting free from Mormon fundamentalism, write us at contact at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 1-800-877-425-9993.